Sup guys, this is Joe Blair, host of the Sports Gamble Ramble. I want to take a few seconds here to tell you guys about the Anchor app by Spotify. It is the app that I use to record and promote all of these episodes that you guys have been listening to. It's super easy to use. It's free to download. It uh, gives you the ability to edit and launch your podcast right from your phone or computer. Um, ton of upside to this, super user friendly, uh, and also gives you the ability to monetize your podcast and record nifty little ad reads like this so you know if you're ever interested in starting your own podcast or know anyone that is uh download the anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started and thank you for listening What's up, guys? This is SGR43, and today we are talking about our season-long player props. Um, I went ahead and I looked through the entire fucking boundaries of the internet here. I have been doing nothing but player prop research all weekend, pretty much, and uh, I found 13 that I really like for you guys, so we're going to talk about them today. I'll try and keep my explanations uh, relatively short, but it is called The Ramble. You guys kind of know what you're getting into here um so yeah these are like typically players that uh if i'm taking an over it's because i really like them from a maybe a breakout perspective i've looked into them for fantasy and i like the forecast this year i like their situation um and then any sort of unders it's just kind of usually a situation where uh we're looking for players to regress uh, with player props i do typically lean towards overs i think it's just easier to gauge what players will exceed expectations rather than try and gauge which players will disappoint so got a lot of overs here, and I'm not going to waste too much time. The first one that I want to talk about, I'm cheating a little bit here because I did bet this uh, a few weeks ago, and the odds have shifted. But I grabbed Gus Edwards, uh, running back for the Ravens, um, to go over 600 and a half rushing yards at minus 125. Now, I grabbed this the day after their preseason game where starting running back J.K. Dobbins got injured. So like I said, I'm cheating a little bit. I got over 600 rushing yards, and it right now, I just checked this line 60 seconds ago before I started recording. It's at 900 now. So they bumped that shit up 300 rushing yards after J.K. Dobbins' injury. Gus is expected to be the starter now. Um, I do expect a running back by committee approach. I don't think this Ravens team, with the amount that they run, I don't think they're just going to have one uh, essential workhorse running back. Um, I liked Gus to be a fantasy value before the Dobbins injury. Uh, so I just had to grab this line with his expanded role. Um, but I do think they're still going to work in other guys. Tyson Williams is a guy that's been mentioned as uh, pretty much the number two running back now to take over that former role held by Gus Edwards. Uh, but Gus has expected a ton of volume. This is the number one rushing offense in the league. And for him to go over 600 as the lead back, um, I'll probably say it a lot during this episode, but the only way it doesn't hit is injury. And that is something that has concerned me, especially with taking overs on running backs, because running backs we know tend to get injured more than any other player uh, position in the league. Um, but uh, for over uh, only 600, he could hit this by halfway of the season if everything goes right and he stays healthy. So I love that. Uh, this one I'm also really excited about. How many times have I talked up Jerry Judy over the past two weeks for you guys? I really think he's ready to explode. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater was named the starting quarterback for the Broncos, which I think provides a lot more stability and a lot safer of a baseline for a receiver like Judy, who's uh, known to be more of a route runner and work some of those underneaths, the drags, the crosses, the slant and goes kind of stuff. So uh, I've got Jerry Judy over 65 and a half receptions at minus 120 this year. 
And if you do the math, if this guy plays 17 games this year, to get 66 catches, he needs to average a little over 3.8 a game. He needs four catches a game, guys. I think Jerry Judy is a guy that could have 90-plus catches this year in this offense with a more stable quarterback play. Like I said, I think he's the primary beneficiary of Bridgewater, given that Judy is going to be open all the fucking time. Um, He's one of the most elite route runners I've ever seen. He's coming into his second year. He was a first-round pick out of Alabama, and I think the stars are aligning for him to take over that number one role in Denver. So for him to average four catches a game is an absolute fucking joke to me with the kind of target volume that I think he's going to get. I absolutely love this. I'm smashing it. Jerry Judy to have 66 plus catches. Uh, Number three, uh, this is an under. uh, Jalen Hurts under 3,650 and a half pass yards. So... The odds are minus 125, and as an Eagles fan, I feel like I have a pretty good gauge on this. Um, 36.50 is a lot for an Eagles quarterback, I would say. In this offense, we don't have the explosive weapons to really bust open big chunk yardage plays. I think we're going to have to matriculate the ball um, with methodical drives. I don't see that much explosive uh, firepower in this offense. Devontae Smith looks like, um, you know, I think he's going to be a great receiver, but He's not necessarily going to take over that field stretcher role in the NFL like he was in college. I think he's going to be much more of a tactician, kind of a Calvin Ridley type receiver that's just going to, he's going to rely on getting open and catching those short to intermediate, you know, first down um, targets. But I'm not sure he's just going to be a deep threat. Anyways, I'm I'm getting too deep into the Eagles here, but for Hertz, I could easily see him, you know, having a fine season and only throwing for maybe 32, 33, 3400 yards. But also, you know, he's going to contribute on the ground. He's going to be running a lot this year, I think, based on um, our receivers not being that good. And the fact that he's a young quarterback, he's probably just going to default to his scrambling ability a lot. So, um, you know, 3650 is a lot. The only Philadelphia quarterback to ever throw for 4,000 yards was Carson Wentz in 2019. Other than that, our QBs just don't typically put up massive numbers. I know 3650 isn't that much when you talk about the top tier QBs in the league throwing for 5,000. Um, but I just don't see it in this Philly offense. I think we're going to be more run heavy. I think it's going to be a lot of short completions to the tight ends, a lot of wide receiver screens. We're just not going to be stretching the field enough to go over this number. So we'll move on from that one. I've got another under here. Player prop number four for you guys. It's Adam Thielen to go under nine receiving touchdowns. It's minus 140, so you're paying up a little bit. But nine is a really high number. Nine uh, is one of the higher over-unders for receiving touchdowns, touchdowns out of anyone in the league. And, yes, he had, I think, 10 last year. So he did go over, but I've – Talked, when talking about Minnesota, my main thing this offseason is that I think the defense will not struggle as much. And uh, that will, you know, Kirk Cousins won't be forced to throw as much as he was last year. Um, Adam Thielen was super efficient on his red zone targets. And you just can't expect that sort of hyper efficiency in the red zone to repeat itself two years in a row. Nine is a lot, guys. Thielen, you know, I'm not crazy about Thielen this year in general as he's getting older and Justin Jefferson's taking over the number one role. But um, nine's a lot for any receiver, really. And, uh, yeah, I just think that if he doesn't get all those constant red zone targets like he did last year, uh, he could easily finish the season with five or six touchdowns and still have a decent year. 
it's just that's a pretty high number. So I like that one. We'll move on. We're going to go back to taking some overs here, and uh, I'm going to talk about Corey Davis for a quick second, wide receiver with the Jets. Uh, I think he's going into his fifth year, if not sixth. I want to say fifth. Um, I don't think the Titans re-signed him on his rookie deal, fifth-year option. Um, but he was with the Titans the last four years. He signed in free agency. He is now uh, slotted in that number one role in the Jets offense. And his over-under for receiving touchdowns is four and a half. It's the same odds as Thielen, minus 140 to go over. But I think Corey Davis can easily hit five touchdowns this year as the number one receiver for the Jets. I'm not super crazy about the firepower in the Jets offense, but I, as much as I hate to say it, Zach Wilson doesn't look as bad as I want him to look. And I think the coaching staff is a decent one now with Robert Sala calling the shots. They're going to try and um, do a lot of stuff similar on offense to what the 49ers did. And I think Davis is going to get a decent amount of volume in this offense. They paid him like a number one. They want him to be the number one. And five touchdowns just isn't that much. So for a player, you know, I could easily see him having a really good year this year, uh, skyrocketing in draft value in fantasy next year and, you know, um, getting himself into the conversation as a legitimate number one receiver, as opposed to being kind of like the discount. Oh, he's, he hasn't lived up to his draft potential, that kind of stuff. So Corey Davis, you know, I'm optimistic. I grabbed him as like my fourth receiver in one of my fantasy leagues. I think he's got upside this year as, as a number one receiver in that offense. Another over, we've got Tyler Higby, uh, tight end for the Los Angeles Rams, going over 650 and a half receiving yards at minus 120. Um, during my tight ends episode, I highlighted Higby as a guy that I was really targeting a lot this year. I think with Matt Stafford being in uh, Los Angeles, it's a massive upgrade for everyone involved in that passing offense. And uh, Higby, you know, with Gerald Everett leaving this year, he's uh, the only real tight end worth targeting on that offense at this point. He has gone over 650 before in his uh, career. Um, I think he's very capable of doing it again now that he's the main tight end in the building. Uh, I looked at his touchdowns too, but that's a little less predictable. I, I feel safer about the yardage. But I think Higby can be a guy that uh, – you know, he was a big sleeper at tight end for fantasy last year and kind of disappointed people based on his inconsistency. I think he'll be a little bit more consistent this year um, with the changes that have happened on the offensive side of the ball in L.A. Uh, so I, I like him to at least be able to get, um, you know, close to 700 receiving yards this year. That's very doable for Higby. And we got another over before we go into some uh, less optimistic uh, stuff. I'm t this one. I don't know if I don't think many people are going to like this one, but I'm taking a shot on it. Tua Tagovailoa over 4,000 and a half passing yards, minus 105. Now, I know people are not optimistic on Tua, but I've expressed that I think he's going to be better and surprise people this year. They did nothing but try and add receiving weapons to, uh, to that offense. And I think Miami as a team, if they want to take a step forward and continue to build on what they've put together the last two years under Brian Flores. They're going to have to open it up for this quarterback. Um, you can't win games over a 17-game season throwing 20 slants a game. And that's what they were doing last year with Tua, but I expect them to um, kind of let him uh, open things up a little bit more. He's going to be passing more. And, I, I, you know, if we just go back a year before – 
Joe Burrow's, you know, magical breakout season at LSU, Tua Tagovailoa was the projected number one pick in that draft by a mile. It was tank for Tua. Everyone thought the Dolphins were going to have the number one pick and they were going to draft Tua. Um, so I know that he had the injury in college and that kind of screwed up his draft value and then not a great rookie year, but let's not give up on this guy. I do think that there's a, um, a lot of room to improve. 4,000 is not that crazy of a number in a 17-game season um, for a passer that still has a lot of potential, I think. So that's enough about Tua. We got to keep getting through these. I don't want to make this too long. I've got two uh, interception overs for you guys, uh, two quarterbacks that I think are going to throw a lot of picks this year that I'm I'm choosing to fade uh, in their offenses, uh, Daniel Jones over 12 and a half interceptions and Jared Goff over 13 and a half interceptions. I couldn't find the ability to bet this, but if you guys can find anywhere where you can bet, uh, who will lead the league in interceptions, I think Jared Goff is a really great bet this year. Um, him and Sam Darnold, I think are two of the favorites. Darnold's another one. Cause I think, you know, the Panthers are going to be throwing a lot and Darnold sucks. Uh, but Goff, if you look at it, the situation really to predict, you know, who can get over these interception totals is it's got to be a guy, you know, on a bad team that's going to have to be throwing a lot. Um, but he doesn't necessarily have the risk of losing his job. Right. If you look at uh, specifically with Goff and Daniel Jones, I guess there's not a real clear backup, you know, uh, threatening playing time or threatening to take their job. Um, Jared Goff is, is going to be the sacrificial lamb in Detroit until they draft a quarterback either next year or the year after, uh, off the top of my head, I know Spencer Rattler and Malik Willis are both projected top five picks next year and Detroit will have a top five pick. You can take that to the bank. So I don't think Goff is going to lose his job this year, but I do think they're going to suck. I do think that he has the ability to turn the ball over, especially now that he's not in Sean McVay's, um, you know, training wheels offense. Um, he doesn't have Sean McVay in his ear to help him diagnose defenses anymore. He's gone over 13 picks in the past. Um, just in 2019, he had 16 with Sean McVay. And last year he had 13, so he only needs to throw one more last year. I think there's going to be a huge drop-off in Goff's performance outside of that Rams uh, system. So I really, really like that one. The Daniel Jones one, I'm not as confident because I actually did look into it and he hasn't gone over 12 interceptions in his career so far. But that being said, he's thrown um, 12 and 10. So he only needs to throw one or two more picks this year to go over that total. I think he sucks. I've called him the next uh, Mitch Trubisky. I think that's a very good comparison. Um, <clears throat> I think that they want Daniel Jones to take a bigger role as a passer this year with uh, the signing of Kenny Galladay and the drafting of Kadarius Tony in the first round, but I just don't think he's talented enough to improve. So I think they're going to want to see him open the, open the offense up and throw more, but he's not going to be good at it. So I like the ability for him to throw a lot of picks this year too. His backups, Mike Glennon, who, should not be challenging for playing time. I actually mentioned on my bold predictions episode that uh, Daniel Jones would be benched for Glennon by the end of the season. Uh, but for this bet to happen, I need them to not do that. Mike Glennon, you know, doesn't deserve to be on a football field. So let's hope they give Jones the full 17 games, but we'll see how that plays out. All right, guys, we're getting to the end here. We're going to keep cranking through 
And uh, yeah, I've got a couple sack props that I want to talk about. Some defensive player props. I only have two of these, but I really like both of them. Uh, first one is Brian Burns, uh, third year defensive end pass rusher for the Carolina Panthers to go over nine and a half sacks at minus 120. Brian Burns is a guy that has breakout defensive player of the year potential in the NFL. He's super tall and skinny and fast and lean and flexible and can get around that edge to put that speed rush on the quarterback better than most people in the league. He kind of reminds me of Alden Smith at the beginning of his career with the 49ers, just in his physical skill set, being that tall, skinny, fast speed rusher that can just out-athleticism offensive tackles. He's improved each of his first two years in the league, having seven sacks as a rookie, which is a really good number for a rookie, in only five starts. And also, um, last year, he had nine sacks in, I believe, 14 starts. So he's uh, gotten close to that 10-sack number each of the last two years and is still very young, still developing, still, you know, taking over a role where he's getting more and more snaps each week. And so I think he really has breakout potential. I've heard some people on other pods and, you know, on other websites saying that he is a potential long shot for defensive player of the year because he does have – the kind of breakout ability to just lead the league in sacks. And that's one of the biggest stats as far as when we look at defensive player of the years, it's often the guy with the most sacks, right? Um, Aaron Donald's won it three times. TJ Watts won it three times. Those defensive linemen, because they have the ability to rack up stats, uh, put themselves immediately into that category. I'm not calling for him to win uh, defensive player of the year, but he's a guy that can catapult himself into that conversation if he produces the sack totals. And just talking about getting to double digits, I think it's pretty easy for this guy this year. Next one, another sack total. This one's only seven, so we don't need quite the production. It's Matt Judon, outside linebacker for the Patriots. He just got signed as their most expensive defensive acquisition this year. They gave him a pretty decent-sized contract coming over from the Ravens. The Ravens are one of those teams that just seems to produce edge rushers everywhere they go. Uh, Zadarius Smith went over to the Packers uh, two years ago and has broken the fuck out, and I think Judon is posed poised uh, for a similar, um, you know, increase in production in New England. I think Belichick specifically targeted this guy to add to that defense. Um, Belichick does not want to suck two years in a row. I've seen Judon look good in the preseason coming off the edge, getting to the quarterback. Seven sacks is not that many for this guy. Let me read you his his career sack numbers um, since being drafted to Baltimore in 2016 for his rookie year, but in limited playing time. And then let's take a look. Second year, eight. So he already went over that seven. Next year, seven. Next year, nine and a half. Um, last year, only six sacks, but again, uh, did miss three games. So, um, you know, let's just look at that. He averages over seven sacks throughout his career if you take away his rookie year. Uh, so it, it looks like a very good opportunity for him to at least have eight sacks for me in New England's offense. I think he's pretty much the best pass rusher that they've got, and Belichick knows what he's doing with pass rushers. So, yeah, we got two more, and I wanted to wrap up this episode on kind of a couple of fun ones. So um, I didn't bet too many of these. Uh, like I said, you know, as you guys can see, most of my shit is just specifically an over under because it's easier to gauge, but I did take a couple long shots. 
Uh, one of them is uh, who's going to lead the league in passing yards, and one of them is who's going to lead the league in passing touchdowns. Just because I did see some value on these guys, so we'll talk about both of them. Most passing yards, I bet Josh Allen at plus 850. So, for example, I don't like to talk about dollar amounts because, you know, it doesn't really matter how much I'm betting on these, and you guys all probably bet different amounts. But, for example, if you put $10 on Josh Allen to lead the league in passing yards, you win 85 just off a $10 bet. And he is uh, one of the most um, guaranteed passing volume quarterbacks in the entire NFL. I mean, uh, the guy, I believe, finished fourth in passing yards last year. And all they did this offseason was add Emmanuel Sanders to that offense. Uh, Second-year receiver Gabriel Davis, I think, has uh, extreme breakout potential and has looked good in the preseason. They didn't really um, – they didn't add to their running back room. You know, I'm not convinced that Singletary or Zach Moss are either are really any sort of above-average NFL running back. And I just think – this offense is going to go through Josh Allen 90% of the time. He's going to carry this team. The defense is still slightly mediocre, to be honest, in Buffalo, but he has so many passing options and they throw so much that at plus 850, I like taking a shot on this for sure. If the guy finished top four, top five in passing yards last year, um, Deshaun Watson actually led the league and he's not going to be playing football this year. So that already takes one of the main comp competitors out of the way. You know, you're just looking for him to outproduce, you know, Mahomes uh, and Rogers and Brady and, and maybe Dak and guys like that. But it's very doable, very doable. So a plus 850, I like that um, for the Bills stud uh, quarterback. And then this one feels gross to me, but it also feels really fucking juicy. So I do have mixed feelings on this. I'm not, I hate the Dallas Cowboys. I hate them. And I have talked about my concerns uh, with Dak Prescott's health, uh, the shoulder strain, the lower body rehab all offseason. But I saw the odds for this and I couldn't believe it. Uh, I'm betting on Dak Prescott to have the most passing touchdowns in the NFL this year. I've talked about the potential for Zeke to decline this year as he's getting a little bit older. Um, and uh, Dak was lighting the league on fire last year with his three stud receivers um, until he got injured. Uh, he had like nine touchdowns and just four starts last year. Um, he definitely has the ability to put up big numbers in that offense. Uh, like I said, C.D. Lamb, Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, probably the best receiving trio in the NFL. And uh, this offense is going to have to throw. Their defense is bad, um, really bad, to be honest. So if your defense is giving up 35 points a game, you're going to have to throw a lot to score to win football games. And I just think at the odds are plus 2,000. I don't know if I mentioned that, but there are guys like Kirk Cousins and Baker Mayfield that have better odds to lead the league in passing touchdowns. And it, Dak is going to be throwing twice as much as both those guys. So it just it, the odds really stood out to me, and I couldn't help but not grab this. Again, using that $10 metric that we just talked about, you put 10 on Dak to lead the league in passing touchdowns he went 200 huge upside for a guy that's going to be throwing a ton has the weapons to do it and has a bad defense that's going to require him to throw um I like this more than Josh Allen Josh Allen's another guy I thought about for most passing touchdowns you know I don't like to really bet on favorites in this category yeah you can take Rodgers or Brady but I think there's more upside with some of these long shots and but Josh Allen to me he's Dak is similar in this, but I'm hoping that it just he doesn't run as many in, maybe due to the lower body injury. But Josh Allen, 
is also his team's primary goal line running back. So I, I do get worried in that Bills offense because Josh Allen's such a physical uh, goal line runner that um, maybe he has seven or eight rushing touchdowns and that caps his t- passing touchdown upside. Um, so I like the yardage for Allen, but the touchdowns for Dak, if I have to look at you know how I'm attacking this. Um, but I think both are worth a shot. Dak at 20 to one to lead the league in passing touchdowns is pretty disrespectful. In my opinion, if he can stay healthy, that offense should put up big numbers. So the, you know, that was a little painful. I had to say some good things about the Cowboys, but at 20 to one odds, I mean, I'm not above, you know, throwing down on it. He's done it before. So that's my player props. You know, this one, (laughs) I probably could list seven or eight other ones that I was looking at taking, but I just, um, I did bet all of these guys. I, I bet every single one of these. So I just, I'm not trying to give you guys picks that I'm not invested in. I don't want to give you, oh, maybe I'm kind of feeling this, but I'm not committed. So these are the ones that I have cash on. I'm also going to get you guys my team futures. That should be a fun one. I have some really exotic props lined up um, for some season uh, futures and team props. So we'll get into that. Thanks for listening, guys. SGR43, ramble on.